Hello and welcome to the Disney Animated Cannonball, a project where I, Talon Lee, he, him, and I, Foxley, she, her, watch our way through the entirety of the Disney Animated Canon with all of its cul-de-sacs and weirdness, and here we happen to stop <laughs> upon the 32nd movie in that lineup that also happens to be literally the highest grossing animated movie of all time. Yeah, this is a, a, a little known... I, I feel like a cult classic, <laughs> you would say. Uh, I, I don't think a lot of people saw it when it was in the cinemas the first time. Uh, <laughs> I definitely remember being the only kid at my school who had a love for this movie. Mm. This is The Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> Stop us if you've heard this one. Now, I believe to kick things off, we start off with the plot in 60 seconds. Right, and I think it's your turn, isn't it? It is indeed my turn. That's right. All right, well, your time then starts now. A new son is born to the good king, bumping his evil brother out of the line of succession. His brother, angry at this, conspires to have the prince and his brother killed. He fails once, then succeeds, convincing the young prince he's responsible for killing his father, then exiles the prince. The prince flees and falls with loose friends that convince him to abandon his responsibility. The evil brother becomes king, inviting enemies of the kingdom to cement his power base. The kingdom is driven into poverty, sending the prince's girlfriend afire in search of resources. She finds the prince, and after some arguing, along with an old mentor from his past, convince him to return home. Climactic battle, admission of fault, revelation of true guilt, the evil brother is deposed and then slain by his own followers, the prince becomes the rightful king, everything is better, movie culminates with a new king having a child mirroring the beginning. Also, the king, evil brother, prince, and girlfriend are all lions, and everyone else is some variety of African animal. And where does Ophelia figure into this? <laughs> she doesn't, because it doesn't really follow Hamlet. Yeah, well, I'm going to assume that you uh, made that in uh, 60 seconds, because uh, I wasn't even running a timer, but you clearly prepared this beforehand. Absolutely! You big cheaty face. I don't see anyone saying outside notes aren't allowed. In fact, what's that you're holding in your hand? You slimy little sucker. <laughs> But yeah, it, it's hard to summarize this movie <laughs> because this movie is literally one of the most popular things of its genre that exists. This is the first Disney movie to have been translated wholly into Zulu, right? Like this movie is everywhere. So like, yeah, I guess uh, spoilers for you if you are the one remaining person on the planet who hasn't seen this movie before. Uh, don't watch the remake. Your relationship to this movie, Fox. I lived and breathed this movie uh, in year six, I want to say. Yeah, it was my last year of primary school. 1994, you would have been 11. That was my last year of primary school, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, I I, <laughs> I made myself a Simba birthday cake. Rad. I had a shelf on my bookshelf where I took out all the books and fit them onto other shelves so I could dedicate that just to the Lion King merchandise I was able to collect. I adored this movie. This movie came out the year that uh, our house got robbed while we were on holidays. And when the insurance money came through, we were allowed to buy compact discs for the first time. Because getting it effectively for free was the only circumstance under which my dad was going to buy a CD player in that era. Mm -hmm. And the Lion King soundtrack was the first full album compact disc I ever bought. So this is scored into every level of my psyche. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm still thinking about me. What about you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I saw this in the theatres, one of those holiday trips. 
Um, I remember <laughs> Heathen that I was, I was like, that's eh, pretty good. It's not as good as Aladdin, but it's pretty good. Um, and the, the soundtrack was obviously very important. And the game fit on two floppy disks. Oh, the video game. How could I forget about that? So I played the shit out of the video game. My God, the waterfall stage. Mm-hmm. Fuck me. The Why would you make Hakuna Matata the most upsetting stage in the game? <laughs> Where'd that gorilla come from? Where'd Where that th- did that gorilla come from? Those tiny jumps. There was one of those in Aladdin as well. The last little genie hand inside the lamp. Yeah. And there was another just tiny little fucking jump at the top of that waterfall. Oh, they loved that shit in that era. Well, it wasn't so hard if you were good at those games. Uh, I <laughs> used the cheat of dwarf. What does that tell you? <laughs> but yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> incredibly actually i'll tell you what one one thing from my relationship with this movie this is the first time i ever remember saying something funny in a theater and hearing other people laugh <gasps> wow i mean that's a dicey prospect normally people are shitted off at you for daring to speak in the first place and, and i was an 11 year old what was your what was your crowd pleasing quip at the very end of the movie it then pops up with the title card of the movie the oh, lion yes. king and i said that was a really long trailer uh, <laughs> and I heard adults laughing. Yeah, no, I, I feel like that that joke was made many a time, but <laughs> every time was somebody's first. Yep. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I should have. The other thing I should have mentioned on my list is that when I got into high school, um, I would perform. Can you feel the love tonight from the movie? Doing all the character voices for yeah. my friends. Yeah. Like at lunchtime. Oh, God. This is like a thing that people would ask me to do. Holy shit. That's awesome. And that's the correct way to do it's it. It's super cool, but it's amazing. Yeah. Like, oh, we were so into this. Get- then again, who wasn't? Getting the voice lines right in the song is part of performing the song. I do not see the problem here. And I do not see the problem with being able to perform it all as one person. <laughs> that birthday cake, by the way, went with a whole Lion King themed party where we brought all the, the ferns that mum had in pots up onto the veranda to make like a jungle around the table. Cool. It was super cool. My mum likes fun birthday parties. Your mum likes fun. And yeah. Hell yeah. So I'm surprised you didn't mention anything along the lines of, and they loved bringing it up at youth group where they could tell you how it was a god allegory. Because I definitely remember that from this time as well. Everyone I knew had seen this movie and no one admitted to having seen it at church. Wow, this is the churchiest fucking movie. Oh my god. What do you want me to tell you? Oh, I am amazed. Like, the the youth groups I went to, which obviously less conservative than yours. Yours was... (laughs) A cult! (laughs) Oh, this is before you were out of cult cult. Yeah, this was the Ah, cult. So everyone had seen it. We all knew what it was. We all knew all the songs. (laughs) No one ever sung them at school. Unless you were sure no one could hear you. <laughs> yeah, okay. That explains everything. Because I the the um the youth groups I went to in high school were oh, like, yeah. you know, you would count on regular screenings of this and discussions afterwards about like, you know, what what do you think about the characters in this movie? Can you see any similarities between them and someone you might know? Mm. By the time I was in a relatively normal youth group that did that, we'd moved on to the Matrix. Oh, wow. That didn't work out how they thought. <laughs> I don't know. It's beloved by, by religious fascists all the world over now, apparently. Anyway, so, double take. Anything that you are on a rewatch have thoughts or feelings on? I I watched hard for anything 
in this that, that like hadn't occurred to me or references that I would get um, since I haven't seen it the first time, but I, I couldn't see anything. I think I've seen this just too many fucking times. I only have one thing. What that? I did not appreciate the imagery of Goose stepping hyenas as a child. Oh, no, not as a child, but it's definitely been pointed out to me since then, so it was not a surprise on this watch. Mm. And maybe I knew, already knew about that, but I'd forgotten that I knew it, because, <laughs> woo, I mean, my. there's plenty of things there that didn't land on me as a kid. I've just seen it so many times over the course of, of being not a kid anymore mm-hmm. that there's just nothing left. Shall we, having ripped through that... <laughs> Move on to the Yikes door. Yeah, um, I am astonished how little there is behind the Yikes door for this one, to be honest. Mm. Like, uh, we have some commentary along the lines of Aladdin. Like, it's it's both revolutionary in that this is by far the most named roles we've seen in a Disney movie for fucking black people, or any people of colour for that matter. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, you know, who did not learn to love James L. Jones, uh, James L. Jones's voice from this movie? Like, he's in here, and he's a perfect person. And, uh, and, and several other important supporting characters, I believe Nala and Sarabi both, as well as, like, a lot of the incidental voices. Oh, and, and uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, and obviously. Rafiki as well. Rafiki, yeah. Right. Um, notably not our main protagonist, or his comedy sidekicks, or our main villain, uh, but the people know. who take the bulk of the screen time aren't. But yeah, <laughs> like it, it is. It is. It, it's kind of an uh, an odd not yikes, then yikes, then unyikes, then re yikes <laughs> kind of situation where it's like, oh yeah. no, everyone here's gonna be white. Oh no, they're not all white. Oh wait, only the major main characters are white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like this is probably the most work black actors got. In, in a single movie in the 90s of this of this genre for this audience. And yet, you know, that's impressive. And also it's depressing that this is impressive. There's also, um, we've got uh, Elton John and Tim Rice doing the music and Hans Zimmer doing the soundtrack, all of whom are quite white, to my understanding. Even though the actual musical performances in many cases used African choirs. Well, that's uh, what I was... African in, in the, <laughs> the inverted com- commas. Well, they worked with a specific uh, uh, performance group. I don't know if they're a band per se or like a bigger uh, cultural performance project. I don't quite know how to categorize them. Uh, and I can't remember their name, so fucking shame on me. But I don't know, maybe they should have given them a composer credit or something. <laughs> then I would have seen it. And yeah, like... There is an element here in this Yikes door where I want to just say, as we have with previous works in a similar space, talk to experts, listen to them about it. Like us as a couple of settler state white people, ultimately the fact that we can notice the incongruity here is notable, but we're not the ones to really give you an informed opinion about it. Um, Like, for example, I don't know how to feel about Rafiki, who is uh, on on the one hand sort of a, a medicine man shaman character, but is also absolutely the Asian martial arts master uh, archetype from uh, existing movies just sort of layered onto that and that might be cool and fine or that might be kind of shitty I don't know yeah and and voiced by a black actor who was renowned for uh, a lot of very serious mentally and and like complicated oh, and, and and struggling roles that the likes of which I'm like you know look looking up uh, the actor who was uh, Robert Guillaume, I believe. Um, I like his his Wikipedia page is a monster of just interesting stuff. And take I should have taken notes on that. And I, was like, I looked at the one. This is beyond me. 
this is meaningfully beyond me, and I would trust his judgment in in how he feels about this character more than I would trust me to go, well, it's a bit weird, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is, I mean, I, I have no idea how anyone felt about this, and I am detached enough from all the available uh, uh, racial aspects of this that mm. I don't know what to say about it. It just made me go, hmm, are we doing sort of a mashing minorities together thing, or is this just a black people think kung fu is cool? Because I understand black people think kung fu is very cool. So, uh, you know, could go either way. Yeah. Uh, I have two points on the Yikes door. Uh, one of which is Scar's queer coding, which didn't land for me as a kid, but, like, yeah, he, he is mincing. He is stock standard for Disney villains of this era. He is queer coded because he is a, a foppish coward. Mm-hmm. Um, he um, has no children compared to Mufasa's great big studly having a child. Uh, he exists in comparison to an extremely gender normative, uh, cisnormative, heteronormative, uh, uh, basic block of rightness mm-hmm. as decreed by Earth God and the Natural Order. About, like, <laughs> holy shit, this movie is very much about, uh, yeah. you know, the world desires it to be this way. Yeah, and that was my second point in the Yikes door, which is... For all that the movement made at it, for all this is like, yes, this is a story about lions and Africa. This isn't. <laughs> this is a story about the British Empire and British royal families oh, as God. told yeah. through a lens of African characters from, in many cases, very distant parts of Africa. And you can kind of, like, in the opening, you get to see this, like, vast spread of cultures and vast spread of characters. Like, cool. Of the speaking roles, three of them aren't lions. And that's just very boring. I mean, not quite, but... Yeah, you're right. I, I simplified there. I also, I've Three of that... them on each side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it, it's just that same idea of, like, look at the breadth of our reach and look how little of it we care about. But, yeah, and, and you yeah. know, there you go. There's, there's, there's my hot take. The Lion King's racial semiotics are beyond me, and, oh, look, it's about British kingship. <laughs> It, uh, it's, I definitely feel like it's a movie that could have been improved by some, um, uh, well, by using the, uh, setting of Africa to depict something other than, than yeah. a British monarchy. But, uh, you know, on the other hand, uh, the audience probably wasn't ready for that, that they were dealing with. Well, the was... audience will not be ready for that for some time. <laughs> it continues in this vein for some time. <laughs> um... We're going to... sounding a lot like what we're going to discuss when Pocahontas comes up next time. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, they didn't. It was more of a... I mean, this was... This was a winning formula because they took what they did with Aladdin and just went, let's not... Let's do a fairy tale. And it's not, like, super heavily for girls or boys. In fact, let's make it animals so it's not, like, overtly steering at, at one demographic or the other. And that lets us get away with doing a lot of modern stuff that we couldn't necessarily do in a fairy tale. So in Aladdin, they had the genie to provide for that. But in this, they just, you know, it's it's kind of timeless. Yeah. It's not really modern, but it is modern. And you can say things like gross. Yeah. Um, And it's not a big deal. And it doesn't seem out of place because it's fucking lions. You don't know how lions talk. <laughs> uh, it's, it is extremely of its time in not a bad way, which is weird. Yeah. I would have I would have expected it to be worse if it was more evidently of its time. In the same way that Oliver and Company has a lot of stuff that very, <laughs> oh, that very specific window of time that makes it very painful, <laughs> whereas this doesn't. Yeah, it sort of dates itself immediately, but is also timeless in that way that the Disney movies that genuinely worked for 
generation upon generation managed to be timeless. I think that's about all we have to say about that. Um, I suppose we could talk about Timon being in drag, but it's, I mean, it's no more or less offensive than, like, any instance of this which is done as a throwaway gag. Yeah, it's, (laughs) yes, that's not great. On the other hand, it's not (laughs) terrible and there are bigger fish to fry. Yeah, yeah. Now, on to the section where we talk about the animation making between the lines. <laughs> between the lions. <laughs> we just call it that from now on because fuck me, this movie sets some standards. We're on, now to the next section. On the other side of the lions. <laughs> but like, holy shit, man. From that, it's not the sunset that does it for me. It's when they pan across the waterfall right at the start of the movie and it's just like, Oh, Jesus Christ, this is going to be one giant flex. <laughs> and it is. Like, this movie is fucking gorgeous. It's, we talked about this, it's boringly gorgeous, even. Yeah. It's just, this is, there's nothing interesting to say about the animation here. Even the CG integration is, now, in 2021, not especially noticeable. You wouldn't notice it unless you were looking, like, dedicatedly looking for it. Yeah, and I pointed out that there are sections where there is CG used. Where the immediate reaction is, where the fuck it wasn't? <laughs> and, like, you weren't wrong to have that reaction, because the way they used the CG was so invisible. <laughs> well, there's two different things going on here. So you were talking about uh, using modeling as references for animation sequences. Yeah. But they did actually use, like, the same style that they used in Aladdin and, and even back as far as, as Oliver and Mouse Detective. Uh, for the Willoughby Stampede in particular. Yeah. Um, Almost all the group scenes of animals moving yeah. are effectively CGI replicating of like four or five cycles, just differently timed. But it's just not noticeable here. And it actually gets worse in, in future Disney's. Uh, uh, not that I want to point out the flaws in Hunchback, my favoritist baby, but um, yeah, like as the technology for this became more accessible, they got worse at doing it for a while there. So this is, this might well be the highest point for it, frankly. It's a little surreal, isn't it? It is. Just a bit. Anyway, um, this is visually perfect. Damn near. <laughs> Damn near. There, there is one kind of ugly bit, which baffles me to this day, uh, which is right at the end. The climactic uh, battle between... Yeah, where Scar and Simba finally actually come to blows, and they do that weird slow motion sequence, but it's not slow motion, it's the effect that you get when you just play film slower because you couldn't film in slow motion and yeah. you just slowed it down it's got this weird kind of what is that the the like chum, 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 chum effect what's that <laughs> the, million six, the six million dollar six man. million dollar man oh it's, it's six million wow he's worth so much more than i realized oh by inflation you've no idea that was 70s dollars oh shit it's a lot of money back now uh but yeah i that alone in this film is like the actual fuck was that <laughs> That's weird. It's Why like, did you do that? It is the weirdest 30 seconds of this movie. It is. Especially when well, everything else is animated with so much energy and care. It's the weirdest 30 seconds of animation. The weirdest 30 seconds of dialogue we'll talk about later. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, uh, aside from that, this is, is essentially flawless uh, uh, Disney animation. That's There's a reason this just exploded and never stopped exploding. Here's the thing for you. Mm-hmm. They were scared... The animation was too excellent. <laughs> the first trailer for The Lion King that was ever screened in 1993 was just the opening four minutes. That's it. That was the whole trailer. They just showed you 
I saw that. Yeah, yeah. They just played Circle of Life, basically. Yes. And the reaction to that was... Because they said, this is like the most beautiful thing we've ever animated. Let's just show people that. Rather than make anything that tells you about the plot or anything about the story, just show that. Cut to the Lion King coming... Uh, I think it was like spring 1994. I don't know. When, when, whatever June is. Um, It came out in June 1994. Uh, and then after they did that, this wasn't to test audiences. This was live cinemas where they showed that ad. Yeah. Well, you have no reason to think this would go badly. And what happened was absolutely more positive response than they were expecting. Like, yeah, okay, you released probably the best four minutes of cinema in the year. Oopsie doodle. And you yeah. did it as an ad. And now everyone's like, well, you're on the hook now. <laughs> Disney, Disney was oh, genuinely scared that the rest of the movie <laughs> could not live up to the reaction they got from that four minutes. Which meant, you know how test screenings work, right? I do. And you know that especially this period of history, because of just concerns about availability and audience size, and like making sure information doesn't leak, especially because you're screening ah. the children, yeah. test screenings are small and rare. Like, Black Cauldron had three. And it was considered to be fussed over. This got 11 rounds of test screening. They were terrified that they would have released something that was less than fucking perfect. I am astonished that this got better with 11 test screenings like that. I feel like that would normally be very dangerous. Well, it led to them dropping morning report. Oh, thank you. <laughs> we were very pleased in viewing this to find out that we weren't watching the version with Report in it. That's I I've said it before and I'll say it again. The stuff they cut usually is cut for a good reason. Uh-huh. In this case, that song is eh, fine if you needed another song, I guess. It's very noticeably not Simba's voice that we're used to. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, he has a different singing voice. Yeah. Uh, his singing voice is a black kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get out of here yikes dog shut shut a, a piece of lore i had growing up that turns out to be completely false was that his singing voice was littlefoot oh no i think that kid would have been too old for it already yeah, I, I believe that for way longer than i should have i believe that into the period where i could just have googled it to check <laughs> i mean it does kind of sound like littlefoot but then a lot of of american american actors. little kid actors were trying to sound like littlefoot <laughs> By the way, i don't know if i've given jonathan taylor thomas enough credit for doing such a great job in this movie like, yeah i mean Kid was already an actor or whatever, but considering the quality of Disney children voices we have heard over the course of the podcast so far, that so far, that shit is golden. Him and Nala are both fantastic compared to God. What was the last time we saw children? Oliver and Company, I guess. We yeah, had baby Joey Lawrence. Naturalistic. It dialogue. wasn't bad. They have naturalistic dialogue. They exchange dialogue naturally, and it flows back and forth across <laughs> them. Yeah. Which sounds like, oh, well, well, duh, obviously. But this is animation. That's actually <laughs> super fucking hard. I wonder, God, I wonder how much of that is just like they invested the time and the money to actually get the actors together in the studio, even for the little kid voices where they were like, it's just a kid. <laughs> how important can the performance be, even if it is the main character? Big shrugs on my part. Because like Todd and Copper, for example, two of our next most recent children are grating to listen to. Yeah, they they sound terrible. And And Cody? was awful. I mean, I'm I'm mad at him because he is a fucking American voice on an Australian child and we learned what he could have been, but even then, it's not a, it's not a good it's not like a good performance. It's it's fine at best. It it's hard for me to extract how I feel about that. I think in hindsight without going back and double checking right now, I think that Cody's voice acting was probably perfectly good, but 
utterly wrong at the same time. So it's kind of hard. like how how good a job can you do of doing something you shouldn't do? It's fair. It's fair. But like you know, I I believe little baby Simba was crying there. Yeah. Okay, Jonathan Taylor Thomas can make his voice break like his heart is breaking. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's pretty much it. All I have for the animation and like some some of the stuff with the animation and making is it's just common knowledge. Like oh, Elton John and Hans Zimmer and. And, and such and such, they made this, and this is Disney at the height of their powers, and this is all of these people who who have since gone on to have amazing careers and whatnot. Like, yeah, this isn't, and, and you know, there's no none of the continuation of the narratives we were working on, where um <laughs> we we lost Mencken and Ashman, um and we um we don't have Musker and Clements on this one. This this movie was being we don't do we yeah yeah th- this movie is kind of like a weird jewel in the middle of that narrative of just like, oops, all the people who aren't those big names can also <laughs> belt out the best movie of its type ever made. I mean, they were definitely using tried and tested talent. And like this, yeah, this movie has like low key star studded cast all over the shop. Oh yeah. Like it's not, they didn't get like one feature voice, like with Robin Williams. They just got like, everyone's just really good. And most of them are, quite well known but like weren't going to slap their name on the movie poster to bring people in well known you know yeah. what i mean yeah they, it wasn't stunt casting i guess is what no. i'm saying which genie kind of was even though he was also a fantastic performance yeah and functionally perfect for the job he was doing yeah yeah absolutely but yeah that's it look the, the making of this movie they poured in a prodigious amount of money and uh the best people in the industry at the time and got what you can get when you do that. Uh, what else do we have to say about it? Um, uh, uh, hello again to uh, Chi Marin. Yep. In his second Disney appearance. Yep. Not, I mean, if, if there was a person you wouldn't expect to see in not one, but two Disney movies, it'd probably be the weed guy. But, yeah. We uh, get Jim Cummings back again. Sadly, we don't get um, Frank Welker. No Frank Welker in Lion King. Not that I could find. He, he might have done miscellaneous uh, sounds. He might have been part of the sound bank. That's wasn't a- even like in the background making a giraffe noise or anything. <laughs> what the fuck's a giraffe noise? Uh, they kind of... Uh, it's, it's not like a whinny. It's like a... <laughs> okay, they make a noise. Trust me. <laughs> I trust you. But also, I deeply don't care. <laughs> if anybody knows what they sound like, it'd be Frank Joanna Welker. Yeah. <laughs> A queen amongst lizards. <laughs> well, don't worry anyway. He'll be back in a big way next movie. Oh, yes. <laughs> Why do I assign so much importance to that? Uh, we don't... We're kind of out of the point where we're seeing a lot of returning Disney archetypes and whatnot. Uh, so I guess the remaining thing is just to briefly address the the elephant on the savannah in terms of, like, the, the uh, Kimba controversy. Yeah. And, like... Or the Hamlet yeah. comparison, or the Bamblet comparison, or the this other Shakespeare play comparison. What in the fuck is Bamblet? That was actually the name that the animators used for the project while they were working on it. Not what I heard, but okay. One of one <laughs> of like many Bambi names. Bambi and Hamlet. Bambi and Hamlet. The the same nature focus of Bambi, the plot of Hamlet, and I think that anyone who did that doesn't know how hamlet's plot goes i feel like hamlet didn't end this well um yeah and and hamlet no wait that's definitely how it ended hamlet came home 
took his rightful place as king, married his childhood sweetheart with his his uh, loyal friends, uh, uh, Timon and Krantz and Pumbastein, <laughs> uh, at his side, uh, and ushered in a new era of peace and prosperity under his father, who was also God. <laughs> this is especially funny if you know Fox found out what happens to Rosencrantz and Guildenstern <laughs> two nights ago. Okay, that's not true. I knew they died. That one's... that Like, that's the one thing you know about them. That's the one thing everybody knows about them. I just didn't know the details. <laughs> and boy, are those details fun. <laughs> Christ, what an asshole. Uh, look, yeah, you could definitely say, hey, look, there's this other work beforehand that uses the same idea in the same space. Yeah, I mean, look, you can't prove shit, but uh, it, I think it's well understood at this point that it was originally conceived as a, a movie of this property. And they just, you know, they, they Fifty Shades of grade that stuff. Right. Uh, and, you know, I don't actually think that's, like, wrong or bad. I think that's the basis of of freedom of creativity. You have to be allowed to rip stuff off. That's, mm-hmm. that's just how it works. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely a lot of similarities, uh, particularly in terms of, like, stuff you wouldn't expect necessarily, like who they chose to cast as the other animals that would be in the cast. Like, we've got our, our evil black mane lion with a scar on his face and our hyenas as our villain characters, and then as our as our subordinate friends, we have differently coloured girl, lion, and we have baboon, and I don't think they have a meerkat, and I think they have an antelope or something instead. So there you go, clearly different movies. Uh, but also, uh, Kimba very much does see a, a ghostly vision of his father in the sky and talk to it and be reminded to go back and, and uh, return to his rightful home. It's not subtle. But it's also, like, big fucking whoop. The other comparison, the third one, which I've heard, is um, for one of the King Henrys of the Henriad. Ah. Um, which, yeah, sure. I don't maybe, know that one. Maybe they duked the plot of one of the Shakespeare plays. Is this the play where, like, Orson Welles did a movie about a secondary character? The Chimes at Midnight, yeah. The disreputable friend that that the the prince goes and hangs out with yeah yeah that that character exists in multiple plays and orson welles did a movie focusing on that character as its own story cut from all three plays and yeah it's it's that's that's the that is the henriad the collection of different king henry plays by shakespeare which are also covered in the essay invisible bullets and that's how we get to my favorite point for the grand thesis which is death to fucking kings (laughs) that's um, that's the fairest description of how my relationship to this movie has changed over time. It, it just plays differently once you're an atheist and, and like a fully automated queer space commie. It's, yeah, it's hard to go along with the whole, like, you know, no, a, a wrongful king will ruin everything because that's just how wrongful kings are. Yeah, it's this Fisher King bullshit. In, yeah. Everyone is in their place for a reason. It's not even necessarily Fisher King. It's just like... The weather changes the second he becomes the king! (laughs) Well, yes, but it's implied that that's because Scar allowed overhunting and expected the land to support more than it could. The rain! Because in his understanding of the circle of life. How is Scar overhunting making it stop raining? I mean... I hate to break it to you, sweetie, but it rains a lot out in the world, in the open sky. It, That's the thing. It's not It's not that it hasn't been raining, but, like, all the trees and shit are dead, 
because of overuse and, and erosion and stuff, and the, the ecosystem's been destroyed, so, like, the rain isn't helping. Yeah, it's, I'm, uh, not, I'm not buying it. <laughs> well, I mean, we all know it rains because that's the emotional resonance that the moment requires. Yeah, it, it is, it is a fully romantic story. In that yes! The, in that the movements of biology and nature and reality and, and all of those things are secondary to the forces of human expressed emotion. Things go the way they should feel. I wrote about this a long time ago, about the idea of, like, the reason the reason I find it unsatisfying to pick at plot holes uh, as people perceive them, of like, well, a meerkat and a warthog would never be friends. <laughs> like, as, as funny as it would be to sit here and talk about the biology of the various animals in question, none of that is as important as how things feel. These are the kind of tedious motherfuckers who are like, well, they cut out the verse of the Hukunu Matata song where Timon explains why he's an outcast. Plot hole! Yeah, it, it, who gives a fucking shit? It's... I only know about that because they left it in the comic book adaptation. Well, good for you for doing the readings, I guess. <laughs> well, guess what Timon's backstory of being an outcast is? Was he a prick? Uh, he just didn't want to, like, work. He, Meerkat Colony is very structured, uh, and he was like, nah. Yeah, I can feel that. I don't that. like that noise. <laughs> Mood. <laughs> but yeah, like the the fundamental vision of this reality is British kingship. It is about the rightful place of a right king that does, and therefore everything is right flowing from that, and therefore the king is the most important thing. They're they're explicit in the divi divine nature of kingship. Like you have forgotten yourself, you have forgotten your father. Oh yeah, you, you are be you are speaking to a goddamned cloud that is capable of sending you messages. You are more than what you have become. Yeah, you were born with inherent value, mm -hmm. and the world has made you into something lesser. Yeah, and it will not be right until you go back to being better than everything. And then you find out that that arranged marriage, one of the creepiest fucking things that people think of as normal, is totally an acceptable thing. Because, oh, look, it turns out by the time we're both adults, in fact, we do want to become a, a relationship. As opposed to how obviously weird it is to talk to seven-year-olds like they're gonna bang. I mean, she does appear to be the only other, like, not person his age in the, uh... Yeah, which is a problem of them having three <laughs> female characters and they're all related to him. It's true, it's true. Oh, sorry, and Shenzi. I will say this. Um, I am always impressed by this movie having, like, relatively subtle uh, cartoonified designs compared to a lot of classic Disney stuff. Like, uh, looking back at previous seasons, animal caricatures have been very, like, you know, Tex Avery. Yeah. Uh, funny animal stuff. Buggy eyes, rubber bodies. Animals are relatively realistic in this film for cartoon animals. Yes, yeah. Timon's limbs are all the same length. <laughs> and yet, we have really distinctive lion designs going on here, like... Yeah. I You can't look at Nala and Sarabi and not know who's who. You can't look at adult Simba and Mufasa and not be immediately aware that these are different people. And part of that is colour palette, by the way. It's true, yeah, they have different like, palettes. Simba has pink eyes. <laughs> He, uh, well, his eyes are a bit funky colored in the nighttime mm. sequences. Yeah. Um, but also just like this, there's a lot of careful design work on into that. Like Mufasa's mane is always like glorious and neat. It's always smooth curves. Yeah. Uh, whereas Simba's is really shaggy. He looks frazzled. And Scar's is straggly. And Scar, yeah. But all th this point about like the I differentiation of them is, is like, it's important, but also consider... 
Consider the only view of the afterlife we're given in this. It is not your family. It is not those who have gone before you. It is not your father or my father. It is the kings but, uh, yeah. who become stars and look down on you. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck this. Death to kings. <laughs> not real good. Also, I just... Of all the things that became, like, common parlance out of this movie, I kind of wish the circle of life had not... Was not, like, accepted as, like, wisdom and, like, a good move and, like, a smart way to address what happens if you make your animals into people. Because it doesn't. Like, it just... We never hear an antelope's take on this. Yeah, yeah, we never... And we... (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and we never... Like, you know, we never deal with a lion going, I want to eat a zebra, and the zebra going, Hi, my name is, you know, Dia. Uh, nice to meet you, I guess. You're gonna fucking murder me. I... The whole thing is extremely dodgy. Yeah, it, and it follows through, again, on British imperial mindset of, well, the consumed don't mind being consumed. <laughs> the The vassal states are grateful for the way we treat them. It does come with the fundamental, like, uh, no, it's, it's right and just for us to consume lesser beings because that's how the world is structured. Uh, and, like... You know, the fact that we eventually die a natural death and support their children, that's as bad as them being brutalized by us for food. Uh, and, and that's, it's fine. That's how the world works and everyone's happy with it. And the circle of life has an obvious hypocrisy to it because of how hyenas are treated. Well, Hy- that's also true, yeah. Hyenas are scavengers. Hyenas eat what the lions won't. And yet the hyenas are marginalized and oppressed and insulted and degraded and are starving. Because what? Why don't they fit into the circle of life? What What about the way that they live is unacceptable? And the answer is, they're like lions, but not enough like lions. <laughs> they can live over there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not real good. <sighs> in, co- in conclusion, ethically speaking, the best character in this movie is Scar, because he killed two kings. <laughs> I don't think you can give him credit for the second one. <laughs> he got two kings killed. <laughs> All right, I'll leave that. Nearly uh, three. <laughs> a shot for it. And I guess you could also make the case that Ed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ed has a direct hand in two different kings' deaths. That's <laughs> not bad. Is our true heroes. Fuck. Okay, but my summary is going to be more like: Don't if you make your animals into people, you just have to hand wave the the eating, trying to explain it. And spiritualize it does not help. Yeah. In fact, it makes it worse. Why do bugs have souls anyway? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll find that out when we do the Pixar rewatch. (laughs) Bugs don't have souls because meerkats mostly eat bugs. I see. (laughs) (sighs) Well, uh, I think I've gotten all my regicidal energy out for now. Shall we uh, take a stroll down (laughs) to whatever land city? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. All right. Where the points are many and their summaries are pithy. I well, pithy doesn't rhyme with city, but you know it does. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I've got a couple. I don't have a lot going on here. <laughs> uh, so if you've got more than that, why don't you start us off? They frame Scar as that family member who ruins special occasions, which is again a very British politeness <laughs> as a way of covering for despicable evil. I think Azazu says there's two in mine, and like, I mean, Scar's not subtle. So does Zazu just have actively homicidal family members you, as well? Do you have two child murderers in your family, Zazu? What the fuck? <laughs> at the very least, two people who at every family gathering are like, watch your back, motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, you've had a kid? Is it a strong kid? Do you think I could take him? 
<laughs> oh, that said, I do kind of love how how fucking obvious Scar is. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. goddamn shameless as a villain. God bless your rottenness. <laughs> <laughs> and like, as a when he's dealing with Simba, that kind of works because kids are dumb, yeah. right? You don't have to be clever to, to lie to a child and manipulate a child. Uh, though, yeah, he's well done in that respect. I, I'm into uh, uh, manipulative Disney family members. Um, but like he's he's that way with Mufasa as well. Like the only reason he doesn't get rumbled immediately is because Mufasa is so much a better person than he is that like he hasn't he doesn't believe this would actually fucking happen, even though it's right in front of him. Yeah. Like the shock on his face when he's like, Oh shit, you would kill me. Oh fuck <laughs> Yeah, like Mufasa is meant to be so good a person. But really, it just, again, because the way this feels to me is like, you believe in your own invulnerability and you are unwilling to deal with evil if it looks like you. Yeah, I don't think he believes in his own invulnerability. I mean, he, he makes a point of like, you know, no, no, even I have vulnerability. But uh, there's definitely that that unwillingness to confront evil. Like, you know, he wouldn't. He would. Oh, oh no, he would, wouldn't he? <laughs> there's a line when you first meet Timon and Pumper. Where Timon says, lie down before you hurt yourself. <laughs> and I made a noise when I heard that this time. Because he says, lie down, which is correct. What he does not say is lay down, which is incorrect. One does not lay unless one is making eggs. One can lay something else, like a hottie or a blanket or themselves down to sleep. But... If one is just lying down, then one lies down. But on all the fucking merchandise, they they used this quote, and they wrote it as lay down, and it makes me so mad. In the Timon and Pumper video game, he says lay. No! Why would you re-record it? Ah! <laughs> oh. Ah! Oh. Language is fluid, language changes with usage, meaning defines usage, and usage defines... But no, it's just wrong! Stop <laughs> getting it wrong! Don't change it to being wrong when people say it right! Hey, Fox. <sighs> What's a throw rug? I don't know. What's a hula? <laughs> you thought Genie had to have reasons for all those stupid <laughs> pop culture references. You fool. The scene of Simba cuddling up to his dead dad is legit heartbreaking. It is the saddest motherfucking thing. Apparently it can't make me cry anymore, but, you know, I've seen this movie more times than I can count, so that that's yeah. on me. It hits pretty hard. I, I got hardened my heart to this. <laughs> and now I have an explanation for something that may have been frustrating a number of my fellow millennials who were children at the time. I would like to explain to you the most absurd reference in this entire fucking movie. Oh, I know what this is gonna be, don't I? Yeah. It's some Pumbaa dialogue. Yes. Uh-huh. When Pumbaa is attacking the hyenas, there is a point where we learn that he has a hot button about being called a pig. This is not set up or foreshadowed at all. It, In fact, it seems to actually be against... I think someone calls him a pig no, before It's that the point. opposite. Simba casually calls him a pig and he's fine with it. Timon calls him a pig and he's fine with it. He's yeah. clearly a pig and he does not have a problem with being called such. But this time he reacts and goes off the deep end and he delivers a line of dialogue that as a child you could tell there was something there and you didn't know what the fuck was going on, right? Yeah, no, I, uh, it, it feels like a callback. Mm. So I thought, like, did they cut the original version of that line? Was this supposed to be established earlier? Do you not like being called Mr? Is that what's going on? I guess they just left that bit out. 
Like, you could tell it was supposed to be funny, but it wasn't funny. Mm, and it was like, also kind of meant to be badass, wasn't it? Oh, it, it was definitely badass. Like, it's, it's you know, it's the the moment where he, uh, you know, actually fights hyenas to, to stand up for the sake of his best buddy, who's definitely not his heterosexual life partner. <laughs> so, the line is, they call me Mr. Pig. Yeah. This is a reference to one of the hundred most badass lines in film history, according to... Some websites. Yeah, more or less. It was a, it was a magazine, but fuck it, I don't care. Um, in the 1967 City Portier racially charged, incredibly important, tense, fraught, noir crime thriller movie, In the Heat of the Night. Wow. Where a black man is discovered at the site of a homicide. And the small town Mississippi sheriff, who is racist as shit, brings him in, assuming he is responsible, until they clear all his paperwork and find out that, yes, he was at that scene of that homicide because he's one of the best homicide detectives in Philadelphia, and he's a cop, and he has his badge with him, and, oh no, now there's this big tension of a small town sheriff dealing with a big city uh, police officer, except the big city police officer is a black guy. And so, the sheriff delivers the line... Well, what do they call you in the city, boy? Which I understand is... Yikes! Not the way you're meant to address a black person ever. Uh, to which the response was, they call me Mr. Tibbs. And that is an amazing moment in 1960s mm. cinema. And what the fuck is it doing in The Lion King? That also doesn't scan with how they used it. No! Like... It's not like he called him Tibbs and that was disrespectful and he said, Mr. Tibbs. I, I, I think they do. I'm misremembering the line. That, 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 that's on me. Don't trust me to deliver lines that Sidney Portier is responsible for, all right? Like, I'm not here to be trying to match up to that. Poison doesn't make any fucking sense in context. Oh, God, no. Or really as a reference. No. And, and there's a tiny part of me that's very sad in the way of, like, really good, clever references because it is very much just using something that I guess maybe the voice actor pulled out of the air on the day, but it's a white-coated character delivering a very important racially charged line. And, like, ima imagine if they'd done that kind of thing with one of the few characters who was black-coated. <laughs> like, yeah, and, and you know, not uh, not performed by a, a black artist either. Like, yeah. this one I'm confident about because I've seen this guy, yeah. because apparently... If you have a Disney park, you can get Ernie Sabella to, uh, <laughs> just show up. to just show up and sing Hakuna Matata for you, cruising down Main Street in Bermuda shorts and a Hawaiian shirt. Which uh, is the human sona of Pumba. <laughs> I've got a problem with that. I was going to say, it's like, it's not even like they have a, a Pumba float or, or a, you know, even like a picture or anything. No one's <laughs> pretending it's Pumba. It's just the guy singing. Yep. But you're right. That's, that's, that's what Pumba would be if you were like, well, you're a human now. How do you choose to hang? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's what I have for whatever land. <laughs> I, want, I wanted to explain that point because I know that somewhere out there there is someone like me who's just had that itching away at the back of their head. Well, I got one more. Yeah? Uh, got on my tits massively at the time, even. Uh, meerkats eat meat. Yeah. They're not... They they're not non-carnivores. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, they're omnivores, but they're not... 
non-carnivore. The, they don't get to go, ugh, carnivore. The bulk of the protein that a meerkat gets is from mealworms <laughs> and carrion at last check. They'll definitely do your insects, but like they'll, like they will absolutely eat the meat of, of smaller mammals that they yeah. can get their hands on. <sighs> oh, and pouncing <laughs> lessons are for assholes. Little grabby. I agree. But, counterpoint, Zazu is a shit, so yeah, it, I'd probably let my kid jump on him as well. Uh, it's, it's still like, this is royal court, here is the king, he can eat you. You were yeah. almost eaten by his brother recently. I mean, he just finished giving his son a lecture about how it's just for him to eat you. Yeah, you want to go down that road? It's just fucked up shit, alright? <laughs> like, Zazu's a prick. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, Zazu absolutely deserves to to uh, to be the butt of some jokes. And explicitly safeguards the idea of arranged marriage. Yeah. Like, Simba's like, well, I'd fuck off that stupid rule. And he's like, well, I would personally stop you from doing that. And uh, that's not cool. Why are you so invested in this, you freaky bird? Why do you want to decide who children get married to? <clears throat> well, but to move on from the mildly horrifying state of arranged child marriage, another horrifying thing. Capitalism! Hey! <laughs> well, uh... <laughs> I mean, there's no real surprises here. This thing made a disgusting amount of money. Yeah, like uh, offensively large sum of money. <laughs> it's the best-selling home VHS ever, and I assume that title will stand forever because nobody does VHS anymore. Yep. Uh, it's the best-selling animated movie of all time. Unless you have some really, really picky discussions with people about I, Avatar. It's the best conventional animation movie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, fucking Avengers is... Practically an animated movie. That, I'm yeah. not counting that shit. Yeah, that, that's, counts like that I said, shit. that's an argument that sits over there. Uh, the highest grossing children's movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe at the point it came out, the highest grossing just movie movie? <laughs> at least for a couple of years? Yes. I. What else would it... No, because Titanic came out a couple of years after this. In fact, Titanic is the only thing on this list. <laughs> and that... the thing it beat out would have been T2? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because James Something Cameron about... is real good at turning a pile of money into an even bigger pile yeah, of money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but not at the expense of children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's Disney's domain. Well, for the next year or two. Here's my thing. If you take the original budget and add it to the take, the gross take of this movie <laughs> in cinemas. <laughs> add it to that. You get a billion dollars. Yeah, no, that doesn't surprise me. And this, I was thinking that this was, was the one that breaks triple digits for the first time. It's not, is it? That's Hunchback, actually. Yeah. It's, it's the, the two, two, triple digits to make. Yeah, to, to Oliver make, and yeah. Company was the first no, one to gross over not, 100 not, million. Not grossing. I'm talking about budget. Yeah. But, and that still fucking baffles me. Like, Oliver and Company made triple digits. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, people were very ready for that in, in 1989. I get, in 1988? 88. Yeah. yeah. Um, the point is, this is, um, yeah, I, I misremembered. This is uh, surprising. Like, you, it seems like it would have a huge fucking budget, right? Yeah. And I guess it does objectively, but compared to, to what they... Is it less than Aladdin even? It's not, is it? No, it costs more than Aladdin. Okay. But it's just the return is... The return is really disproportionately huge. How much more? Like 20 million more? 10 million more? Yeah, 20. like 20 million more. It, it, Aladdin was 28 million, this is 45 million. And like, Aladdin did, did gangbusters at the box office, but they were not ready for how Lion King would do. So, this movie's take in movie sales is 968 million. It's just tickets. That's just too much money. Good that is preposterous. Lord, so much money. Um, yep, well, there you go. It was the highest grossing film of 1994, and that means that the four movies it beat, and like, you're... 
like cast your mind back to that year. Oh, what else came out? I, I'm not. I'm not going to ask you to try and remember this because it's a live action film. So you didn't I care. No, it's kind of like a game. All right, sure, but like you're not going to remember. You're not going to guess the highest grossing films of 1994. Probably not. Yeah. I'm probably not going to guess most of 1994. Nah, you're right. It's a bit too early for me. But that means that this movie stomped out Forrest Gump, True Lives, oh. The Mask, and Speed. Shit, no, I've seen at least two of those movies in, in a theatre, astonishingly. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to finish that thought. Though. Sorry. Um, don't take an 11-year-old to see Forrest. It's not appropriate. Moving on. Uh, it's the highest grossing animated film of all time, and it is not even close. <laughs> I bet it's not. Uh, would you like to take a guess at the other top four movies? Um, it's going to get real upsetting real quick. Uh, no. Oh, wait, no, Pixar. It's going to be some Pixar shit. Nope. No? Nope. Ooh. Um, I, hang on. I understand Mononoke actually did very well. Not this well. Not this Um, what would it be? It's not, there's no Pixar on that list. Nope, the top Jeez. five has no Pixar. But it's not depressing, which means it's not like Shrek. No. All right, tell you what. Hmm. Two of them are Disney. Just other Disney? Yep. I mean, is it still highest grossing? Let's see. Um, Just earlier Renaissance stuff. I'll give you that one. Just Aladdin. Aladdin. Yeah. Aladdin is number three. Aladdin should be on there. That's fair. Number five Um, kind of depresses me, but I understand it's not as bad. Like, people think it's better than I do and they can be wrong. (laughs) What, Lamb of Fortune? No, uh, Tarzan. Tarzan. Tarzan is the fifth highest grossing animated film of all time. It's not even the fifth best Disney. And the number two highest grossing animated film of all time is The Simpsons Movie. Wow. You told me this wouldn't be depressing. Fair enough. Uh, Here's the thing. The Simpsons made... The Simpsons is number two. And it made 536 million. So it made almost half. (laughs) The Lion King has almost doubled the second spot. And uh, that one missing slot that I haven't mentioned is the Demon Slayer Movie. Wow. Which has pulled in 503 million despite releasing during a pandemic, and it's uh, still in theatres. Yeah, and, like, not getting a lot of what you would call international release. I guess that's, like, streaming sales are now counted as ticket sales. Big shrug! Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. I'd be curious to know. Which, I assume it didn't make that on the back of, like, Japan alone. I assume it must have gotten a wider release, and I just didn't know about it. It has been, it has got an international release. Uh, but, yeah. <clears throat> and both it and Lion King have a violent thug with the head of a pig. So, you know, similarity. of a pig. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's that's it for The Lion King. That's all I was able to wring out of this particular dish rag. Uh, do I have anything else of value to add? Music slaps. Every, I love every song. <laughs> like I said, I, I existed on a steady feed of this soundtrack. I even had sing-along cassette for the car, so on car trips with, with uh, mother yeah. and sister, we would be rotating between this and Pocahontas. I I used to very comfortably sing the Circle of Life as a child. I don't feel comfortable trying to sing the opening anymore. Oh, no. I mean, and we never should have, but, you know, you can't really tell a kid to, like, no, you can't just, like... You're mimicking sounds, you you're not saying words. phonetically repeat sounds of another language. I, maybe we should just learn the lyrics. You know what? They should have just taught us all the lyrics in school. Yeah. Like, I know the actual words used in, in Lion Sleeps Tonight because we learned that in school. And they were like, yes, these are the actual words. You don't just make random noises. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. A wimbo-wep, a wimbo-wep sure as shit sounds like random noises. It's probably vocables, but... Yeah. <laughs> we didn't discuss meaning. Isn't that ironic? 
God damn it. <laughs> so there we go. The Lion King. The entry this season that I honestly dreaded the most. <laughs> it's, I mean, it holds up and it doesn't hold up. It's it's a weird one. Like, yeah. it, technically, it holds up beautifully. And it's way less yikesy than you might expect. Um, it's just very godly and destiny-driven in a way which makes me deeply uncomfortable as an adult. It's the first of these movies that I have felt negatively towards because of what it actually wants to say. It's not It's not like with other movies that I've gotten angry about. Like, like Rescuers Down Under wasn't like, hey, let's insult Australia as a culture, necessarily. But this one is like a really excellently executed, gosh gee, kings are good and so is God. Uh, you're right, except that it's definitely not the first of these movies as in the entire canon. Oh, so. no, I was thinking this season. <laughs> okay. Pinocchio said exactly what it wanted to oh, say, yeah. and you said, fuck you. Yeah, Pinocchio can die in a fire. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, the, the, uh, the modern one that has the most objectionable actual philosophy behind yeah. it. Yeah. And because it's executed on so brilliantly, it can be very easy to just let that philosophy slide on past. Yeah. But at the root of it all... The Lion King has a fascist vision of palingenesis and a love of boot leather, and it can go fuck itself. (laughs) I don't think I can feel quite that badly about it, but, uh, you know. I get feisty about kings. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I heard they've remade it. I bet they fixed all that. (laughs) (laughs) That joke will never stop being funny. Because they will never stop fucking it. I have I have very little knowledge about that movie, but everything I know about the live-action remake of The Lion King is fucking cursed. That's because the live-action remake of The Lion King is fucking cursed. Would you like to kazoo us out? Why not? Uh-huh.